Welcome to Trap Talks. My name is Sushant. I am an e-commerce entrepreneur and each week we bring an inspiring entrepreneur or business person from e-commerce, retail or tech industries to help you discover how to start and grow your own e-commerce business. Thanks for spending some time with me today and let's get started. Hey there, entrepreneurs. My name is Sushant and welcome to Trap Talks. This is the show where I interview successful entrepreneurs, business executives, and thought leaders and ask them questions about their business story and also dive deep into some of the strategies and tactics that they have used to start and grow their businesses. And today I'm so excited to welcome Mr. Dave Munson. Uh, Dave is the founder and CEO of Saddleback Leather Company, which manufactures and sells high quality leather bags, briefcases, and wallets, and other leather, leather merchandise. And today I want to ask Dave a few questions about his startup story and some of the strategies and tactics that he has used to grow his business. So thank you so much for joining me today, Dave. Well, I'm glad to be here. It's an honor that you, uh, that you asked me. Uh, pleasure is all mine. Um, so my, uh, the first segment is called The Story. And in this segment, uh, I want to discover um, the story behind the entrepreneur uh, business or the brand. So I know that you have a very interesting story. Um, could you please share a little bit about your startup story for Saddleback uh, Leather Company? How did you get the idea and uh, what were some of the first steps? And uh, yeah, how did you get started? Yeah, so in, in 1999, I was teaching English uh, down in Mexico and central Mexico, southern Mexico. Uh, and so I was down there and I was, I was uh, needing a bag to carry my books in. I had an old you know, backpack from college. And so what I decided to do uh, was get a leather one, something like Indiana Jones would carry. And so I started looking around for one, couldn't find one anywhere in the markets, but I found a guy making leather bags. So I, I asked him uh, if I drew it out, if he could make it for me. So he did. And everywhere I went with that bag, everyone was asking me, oh my gosh, where did you get that bag? And so I, <clears throat> I, but before uh, this, you, you know, you had never thought about like starting a business. This was just like your personal, you wanted to get a bag for your personal reasons. Right. Yeah. I got a degree in theology. So if you want to know about the end of the world and how all that happens and how to go to heaven, I'm your guy, but I didn't know anything about business or anything about marketing or, or design or anything like that. So, uh, yeah. So I, I had a bag made, everyone loved it. And I told him I didn't want any breakable parts, no zippers, no snaps, magnets, you know, that sort of thing. So I said, I want them to fight over it when I'm dead. So that's our <laughs> slogan. They'll fight over it when you're dead. And, um, I got back up to the U S and everyone was asking me, you know, man, where'd you get that bag? Where'd you get that bag? Where could I buy one of those bags? You know, four or five times a day, people tap me on the shoulder. So I, uh, I went back to Mexico. I ended up in Juarez, Mexico, across from El Paso, Texas. Um, I was living there with my dog. Uh, we slept on the floor of a hundred dollar a month apartment for three years, no hot water. Uh, we, um, I, I would go to the bus station, uh, once a week or so. And they would, this father and son further South would send bags up on the bus and, uh, I'd go get them, take them to El Paso, sell them on eBay. I used a friend's uh, mechanic shop at night. Uh, and he, 
he did said, you know, he wasn't using it. So I sold there on eBay and then, uh, yeah, I got selling so many bags that I couldn't keep up with demand. Uh, do you, do you, by the way, do you consider yourself to be like a natural entrepreneur or more like a salesperson kind of a personality? Because when I see your videos on YouTube or other channels, like I can, I can, I feel that, you know, you almost as a personality, you're more of a sales, uh, sales or entrepreneurial personality. Do you think that that helped you in building this business? Because other, someone else could have very easily found that, you know, they're interested in this bag, but they would have never thought about starting a business. Yeah. Um, I think I have the entrepreneurial spirit. So I've had about 30 different jobs before I started my own. And uh, I just hated working for people. <laughs> so mm. I saw the problem in, all, in everything. I saw that it's kind of a flaw. When you get married, that's a curse <laughs> because you see the flaw in your wife, you see the flaw in the kids, you see everything's wrong. So you have to you know, decide when you speak up and when you don't. Um, the salesperson, that's a different breed. Those guys, they have to follow up and pursue and pursue and set, set times to follow up again and be really persistent. That's a, those are the excellent salespeople. They're always networking, networking, networking. Um, that's a different profile. My brother has that, um, but he wouldn't be an entrepreneur. He doesn't have a lot of ideas for things. And so I've got a lot of ideas for things and how to make things better than everyone else. So uh, whenever I see a chair, I think this is a terrible design. Why didn't they do this? What if, what if we had a chair that had a, a plug? You could plug your laptop into it. You know? So you're always thinking of improving things. So, th so I think the entrepreneurs, they're visionaries. They have a lot of ideas. Um, salespeople don't have a lot of ideas, but they're really good at connecting with people and being persistent. And really, you need kind of both. Uh, once, the, once a business gets off the ground, you need to have uh, salespeople who can be persistent, follow through, um, I don't really need to follow through with too many things. I'm not very good with that, but I'm good with, um, yeah, I mean, good with people. You want to be good with people. I think it'd be difficult to start a business if you're not good with people. Um, so yeah. And I know, I know that, uh, you know, when I look at your social media, YouTube channels, Instagram, um, you travel a lot and, uh, I know that traveling has a lot of benefits um, just meeting new people. What, what, uh, what is the benefit that you find that travel has? Do you, do you recommend it to other people? Yeah. So, uh, I think it was St. Augustine said the world is a book and those who do not travel read only one page. And so, uh, when I, when you travel around, I see little attachments. I see little features of design. I see little I see arches and I see different styles of homes and kitchens and you just start seeing so many things. It opens your mind up to a lot of different, um, uh, just a different way of thinking. So it's not always necessary, but, but it just opens your mind. It, it has opened my mind up to a whole lot of different in, in design, particularly um, mm. a, lo a lot of different things. I think it's very important to, to, uh, to travel. I think it's, it should be required to travel um, overseas to, to understand different cultures and perspectives. And when you, and then when you get back, you're better able to relate to people. 
Uh, not everyone, you know, your friends and buddy buddies, but you're, it's easier to, to, it's easier to uh, relate to people from other cultures. <clears throat> so we've been to Africa, I don't know, a couple dozen times. And I, I was on the airplane one time talking to a guy and, and he had a strong Indian accent. And I said, oh, where from India are you from? Where are you from in India? He said, oh, actually, I'm from Nepal. And I said, oh, okay. So did, did you have water growing up in your, in your home? He goes, no. He was shocked. He was a university professor uh, up at at, the University of Washington. And I said, did you have electricity in your home? He said, he was wide-eyed. He goes, no, I didn't. How did you know? Excuse me. I said, well, we travel a little bit. We realize not everyone has those things in their homes. And he... uh, he, he said, but nobody knows that. Everyone thinks everyone in the world has a flat, flat screen TV. Mm-hmm. And I said, I said, no, no, I, I, I understand that because of being in, in a lot of places without running water or, you know, a, a, a well for the community, you know, that sort of thing. No electricity. The kids can't study at night. And anyway, so I was able to have a meaningful conversation with him that nobody else had had. And so that's from traveling. Well, I know I am from India and I grew up in India and, and, you know, I can tell that growing up, there was a lot of times there was a power outage and we had, uh, we literally had to study for exams, like in uh, kerosene lamps and, and things like that. So that's, that's, that was the story of India, at least I think 20 years ago. Now we're going to move on to our next segment, which is called the business. And in this segment, um, I want to dive deep into a little bit more about your business and some of the strategies and tactics that you've used to uh, start and grow your business. So uh, I'm very interested in learning about what your um, manufacturing process is like. Um, are you are all your products handmade? Yeah, so handmade is, some people will say it's not handmade if a, if a machine is, is used. Um, somebody else will say if, even if you handmade the machine with just a knife and you, and you pulled hair out and you made a band for it, that doesn't qualify as handmade anymore. It had, hmm. You can't use a machine. So yeah, all of our stuff is, um, takes muscle. It takes strength. All, all of our bags, it takes skill, takes eight to 10 months of, of daily sewing on a heavy machine to be able to, to get nice, strong stitching. Uh, all of the lining is done by hand, all the pigskin, all of the, on top of the leather. Um, yeah, it's, now we have dyes that we click. We, we cut out of, you know, certain things, certain things we cut by hand when we're doing our trunks, leather trunks. Uh, those are, you know, it takes, takes two guys, two weeks to make a trunk. Uh, and that is completely hand sewn all by hand, but we have sewing machines um, that, uh, yeah, that we do a lot of, so we, we consider it handmade, even though we use dyes for cutting out leather. But here's the thing. I had this father and son making bags a long time ago and they were all handmade, like hand handmade, like hand stitching and that sort of thing. And the quality wasn't as good as the quality that I get with my, with my sewing machines. Hmm. And 
it's not as consistent. Hmm. Uh, and they would miss things. But when you have when you have repetition, when you have three people who are making a bag and they get used to the same role over and over again and then they switch roles with someone else, but they get, re they get really good at it and you get higher quality. Um, so I wouldn't want everything hand, hand, handmade. I don't think we would get the quality that we have. Um, and do you, do you think that there's some drawback of this also, given that, you know, you can't really mass produce these bags if you're like, if there is a requirement for, you know, some, uh, manual, uh, intervention, uh, for every product or, or, or do you consider this as a value proposition that this is, you know, you have, uh, uh, a very curated selection of products. Yeah, it, it, it's not a drawback because uh, we don't sell to every, we're not trying to sell to the whole world. We're not trying to be a generic brand. Um, so yeah, we're, we run out of stock quite often uh, of, of our bags, which is, it's kind of nice. It, it, it creates more of a demand like, wow, everyone likes this bag. Everyone likes these bags. So no, that doesn't bother me having that, uh, that it's kind of, it's a constraint not having something that the machine just stamps out um, or something low quality that, that is made in such mass uh, that you have it ends up being kind of junky. Uh, I, it, the lower quantity, it requires us to do excellent work. And who do you consider uh, to be your ideal customer or target market? I know when I look at your business, you know, I get the feeling of, um, you know, more of a small business, um, family, family based, uh, and not, not more of a, like a corporate brand. Um, is that intentional or, um, what, 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 what was the strategy behind that? <laughs> yeah. No one wants to buy from Saddleback Leather Corp. They want to buy from Dave Munson, right? You want to buy from a friend. You want to buy from someone you like. And so someone who's authentic. And so when, so I share stuff that's, authentic. Um, I, I share the behind the scenes of our, of our life with, you know, we have a not dead yet show um, that we do a little just behind the scenes stuff. We have, I think 70 episodes now. Um, we we're just very personable. And I think people like to buy from friends. And so, um, and also it's different from trying to compete with J crew and uh, all these, you know, Ralph Lauren and all these really professional companies. Um, I purposefully have our customer service reps answer the phone. Hey, uh, hey, how's it going? This is Saddleback Leather. What's going on? How can I help you? You know, real casual. So hmm. all the videos. I posted a picture. Uh, we were in Australia one time, and we saw this kangaroo at this park, and he had huge nuts hanging down. I mean, they were huge, really impressive. <laughs> and I so I I put my bag there, and I kind of and so and I got back and then I zoomed in and it magnified his, you know, his little nuts there. <laughs> big nuts there. And, uh, don't, don't they make like uh, keychains out of those? Oh, uh, they do, you know, and they make, uh, <laughs> I've got our bottle holders or bottle openers. Yeah. They, <laughs> yeah, they were pretty cool. So I took a picture and I posted it on Facebook and some lady, um, older lady, I, I checked, looked her out, looked her up. Uh, she posted that is unprofessional and not funny. And 
And I said, I said, you know, it's funny you say that because my wife says that about me <laughs> and, and unprofessional, not funny. And so, yeah, it was, it's, a. Uh, it's funny how uh, people like that. They're like, hey, this guy's real. Hey, the guy's got, he's, he's you know, kind of ballsy. He's got, the, he's got guts. He doesn't just try to blend in and try to please everyone. Vanilla, he takes a stand for stuff. And, and, he's, and so anyway, yeah, we're, we're very personable. And I think that's what has separated us from just a, a uh, hey, do you want to buy a bag? It's a nice mm-hmm. quality. You want to buy a bag? That, Can you can you share a little bit about your team um, and uh, a little bit about your leadership style? What are your thoughts on um, delegating and running a company effectively? Yeah. So uh, because I'm a visionary and I've got a, I have usually have about 50 ideas before my first cup of coffee. And um, I just have a lot of, you know, that, that can hurt a business if you don't have people who are structured and organized and love numbers and all of that sort of thing, it can really hurt your business. So a danger of entrepreneurs is they hire a bunch of people just like themselves. Hmm. You have to hire people who are different from you. Um, I mean, you have to. And if you're, let's say you're a business owner, an entrepreneur, and you have a really good idea for something that no one else has done or, or that is better than other people's, uh, and you're kind of introverted, you've got to have a visionary you've got to have people on your side who can think of new ideas and who are good with meeting with people, networking. So uh, getting people around us, the way you do that, uh, we use a, a, a free test called the core values index, okay. the CVI. And I give that to every employee before we hire them. And then we ask, we're, we look for a personality profile. We say, Hey, this person's got to be a little more serious They've got to be more numbers focused. They've got to be okay being alone a lot. And, and we don't want them in a hurry for things. And so that turns out to be a certain profile. And then we go and find that person. And if you find the right person for the right roles, man, they have endless energy to do their work. They're hungry to do a good job. But if, if they're not, um, if you get them in the wrong role, you just hire a really nice guy, Hmm. um, a really nice gal, then you're shooting yourself in the foot. You need to find someone who's, whose personality fits the role. And, and so you find do. that when you use this uh, personality test, uh, more often than not, uh, you, are, you end up with the right person. Like this actually works. Oh, all the time. Uh, not all the time. Some, usually 90, 90% of the time. And then you have other things like, um, one of the things we are big on is, is what we try for is humility. And we're, we're prideful a lot in a lot of different ways, but uh, we try to be humble. And so we'll, we can take other people's opinions and we can other people's criticisms and other people's, um, we don't constantly interrupt people. We're, we're open to other people's successes. We want other people to be successful. If you have a prideful person, oh my gosh, that's you can't work that way with those people they take credit for everything they they know it all you can't tell them anything that they're wrong they're easily offended they they brag about their successes they don't congratulate anyone else it's brutal there's a great book called the ideal team player by patrick lencioni the ideal team player and it talks all about that but 
Um, yeah, that's a really big one is, is hiring humble people. So in my interviews, I ask, I'm usually the last person to interview. I'll say, so tell me, uh, tell me one of your bigger mistakes. Hmm. And humble people will go, Oh man, I got a list. Prideful people say, you know, I don't make mistakes Hmm. or they, they have trouble coming up with mistakes. We just had that with a guy, a production manager we were looking to hire in Mexico. And I said, tell me about some of your bigger mistakes. And he couldn't think of any. Hmm. And I was hiring a general manager looking for that role last year. And I interviewed a guy and he said, the last mistake he made was like 31 years ago. And I go, oh, so he's too prideful. Not this, this interview is over. So, um, and here's a little tip for entrepreneurs for when you have employees the favorite question is uh, by when because your business will grow at the, at the speed at which you make agreements with people. So you say, that's a great idea. What have we agreed to so far in this meeting? And so someone says, Oh, this, 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 and you say, okay, great. So who's, who's going to take that? Oh, you will. Okay. Well, by when can we have the results or, and Oh, I don't know. Um, I, I'll get back to you. I have to check. Okay. Well, by when will you know? By when will you check? By when? By when? Oh, so you're going to have that. By when can we have that for us to read? By when can we have that prototype finished? Oh, that's interesting. Okay. By when? So that's got to be your favorite question and just casually ask by when. And once people agree to it, if you don't make an agreement, it might be mm. three months before you see it. So uh, very important. And what if, if a person makes an agreement and then they don't deliver on that by when date? Oh, you know, I do that. Everyone does that. So you say, oh, so I thought we were going to have that. You said you'd have it by Friday. Um, and you didn't get it? Oh, well, you know, I kind of got sidetracked. I had a lot to do. You say, okay, no problem. Uh, so by when do you think you can have it to us? Oh, by, by Monday. Okay, yeah, no, that's great. And then they give it to you. Now, if they don't get it on Monday... Uh, or once you start seeing a pattern of this, but you may not even see a pattern if you don't ask the question. Hmm. So if you see a pattern of them procrastinating on everything, not finishing duties, not finishing tasks, not reaching back out to people, not scheduling, you start seeing that and you know you have the wrong person for that role. Hmm. And so you need to just remember it and either put them into a different role or replace them. Uh, Because... You don't want, uh, but see, yeah, yeah, that's where the CBI comes in. Certain, certain tasks, I don't, I don't ask people. There are certain people I don't ask them by when because I know they already have it scheduled and, mm. and they'll, they'll, have it, they'll have it finished, you know, before the date. Uh, but, you know, you get to know your people. Okay, now we're going to move on to our next segment. It's called the digital. And in this segment, I'm going to ask you a few questions or maybe I'll just ask you one question because we're running out of time uh, about your digital business and your digital marketing strategy. I'm very interested in learning about um, your marketing because you know your, uh, a lot of your marketing comes across through your social media, I suppose. Um, how would you describe your overall marketing strategy in terms of uh, new customer ac- acquisition and how do you see your social media as, um, as, as a marketing channel? 
So the social media is just, you have to do it. You have to um, do that. We, we have a, a good following of people. So we have um, one of the fan groups has like 83, 8,400, the Saddleback Leather fan group is what it's called. Um, yeah, we, we have big fan, big fan groups um, and they market for us. So we share with them things and they talk about it and they talk mm -hmm. about it with all their friends. They post pictures of their bags, their friends see them with their bags all the time. So, so this fan um, group is not managed by your company. Like this is a separate. Uh, yeah, they did it. There's some different people started it themselves, just customers. Okay. Um, no, we don't manage that at all, but we get in there. And so one of our nicest things is to, we, we get in involved with them. And so I get in, in fact, I was just in a little earlier today. And I'll post pictures of things that I see and, and they like interacting with the owner and I'm not too big to interact with people. I love, love people. I love talking to people. And so, um, us interacting with them is a, is a big deal. And then they talk about us. Uh, one of the, uh, big things about the marketing that we'd like to do is education. So, um, it is educating about leather educating about what goes into quality, quality leather, educated about the metal that we use for the hardware, all just the finer details, even educating about the tanning process, vegetable tanning versus chrome tanning. And what, what are those? Um, educating about the thread, all these little details. And the more, when I learn it, I just pass it on to them. So uh, education, if you can educate people without asking them for anything, just educate them. They trust you. And then they want, and, and they appreciate you. They're, now there's a little reciprocity going on where they want to reciprocate for you helping them be wiser in life in their decisions. And, um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, you can never lose just educating people and, and being in relationship with people, caring for them. And are you able to somehow measure the ROI? So you do the, this education, you put out so much different content on social media. Is there a way for you to know that, yes, I'm doing it. I, I see that there's a lot of views or there's a lot of comments on my posts, but it is actually turning into business. Uh, do, you, do you measure that somehow? Mm, I mean, we can see on Google Analytics who comes in from uh, on social posts, where they come from. Um, we can see, you know, so we can, they let, they help us to see those things, but, uh, we don't, we don't only do stuff if we're going to get sales. We, we just continually, um, educate, continually interact, continually spend time and it seems to work. So we don't only do stuff that we can measure or only do stuff that has a, a really strong, uh, return on it. We do like we're, I'm about ready to send out a, just an encouraging email to our customer, our, uh, our, our, uh, newsletter group and just saying, Hey, you know what? It's a hard time. And, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm going to just share with them some things that we're going through and that I'm learning. And I hope, I hope it helps you. So that's not going to bring in any sales, that newsletter. Um, but it, it, cements in their mind that I care about them and that we're friends. Hmm. 
finally, we are going to move on to our final segment called the rapid fire round. And in this segment, I'm going to ask you a few quick questions and you have to answer them in a few words or one or two sentences. So the first one is, uh, do you recommend any book for entrepreneurs or business executives in uh, 2020 and why? I, I know you already mentioned one book. <laughs> okay, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. It's written a long time ago, but read that book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. That is the book. I, I read it, I think, when I was a kid, and it, it, it was very, very useful. Um, an innovative product or idea in the current e-commerce, retail, or tech landscape that you're excited about? Yeah, so uh, medical medical attire. It's kind of interesting. Um, the, it's a new thing for the most part in the U.S. Uh, they usually wear them for surgeries, but uh, all natural, all natural, uh, no polyester. Polyester's from the devil. Uh, causes all kinds of problems. Uh, all natural cotton. Cool. Uh, a productivity tool or software that you would recommend? Um, I would say notes on your phone hmm. <laughs> as simple as that, but take notes about everything. I, I just, just take down notes, take down notes, take down notes, copy it all, take down your ideas all day long. Uh, a startup or business in e-commerce retailer tech that you think are uh, doing great things right now. Uh, there's a company called Holtz Leather, H-O-L-T-Z Leather. It's a family. I believe they're in Mississippi or Alabama, and they're making small little, uh, very personalized, I think it's a family that works together. Um, and they're really breaking into the corporate world for corporate gifts. Uh, I, I kind of a, kind of like them. Cool. Um, and finally, a peer entrepreneur or business person who inspires you. a an entrepreneur person who inspires me um i would say seth godin hmm. is who i he's entrepreneurial he's more of a writer of course uh marketing guy right marketing guy but he he encourages people around you to around you he around him he encourages people to try to launch to ship He's constantly encouraging people and, um, you know, he does, he does make money from, and he's definitely an entrepreneur, but, um, no, that he's just so encouraging all the time. It's, it's a, he's a real, he's a real blessing to me a lot. Perfect. Uh, so those were all the questions that I had. Thank you so much, Dave, for joining us today. Thank you for sharing your story and some of the, uh, your, um, insights with us. So, um, if anyone wants to find you or if you have any uh, products or your, or your company, how can they find you? Yeah. Uh, saddlebackleather.com like the saddle of a horse on his back and leather.com saddlebackleather.com. That's where we are. Uh, we also are here in Fort Worth, Texas right now. You can't visit because we are, we are all shut down. Um, but yeah, we're here in Fort Worth, Texas and, uh, yeah, it's kind of fun. We have a fun little thing going here. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much again, uh, Dave, for joining us today at Trip, Trip Talks. Hey, thanks for having me. It's, it's, it's an honor. Thank you. Thank you.